Back in August 1914, none of the high commands could possibly have imagined such hectic technological progress. In fact, at that time, the question of whether to consider an aircraft itself as any sort of potential weapon revealed a good deal about the different armies' reactions to the new technology and their varying ability to see its possibilities. Certain individuals had long since made up their minds, however. In 1912, a far-sighted Italian officer, Giulio Douay, wrote a manual entitled Rules for the Use of Aeroplanes in War that advocated bombing from a high altitude. This was based on his own military experiences in Libya the previous year, when in November 1911, Italy had become the first nation in history to use a heavier-than-air winged machine in war. Lieutenant Giulio Gavotti, in his Blériot, had hand-dropped four bombs of four pounds apiece on Ottoman troops in Libya, leaning out of his cockpit and letting them go one by one. In the same campaign, Captain Carlo Piazza became the first man in a reconnaissance aircraft to take aerial photographs during an actual war. The futurist and poet F. T. Marinetti was in Libya at the time and fancifully described a new being, the air hero. Higher, more handsome than the sun, Captain Piazza soared, his bold, sharp-edged face chiseled by the wind, his little moustache crazy with will. However, dropping explosives on the heads of those below was one thing— the idea of using aircraft to fight duels in the sky, quite another. In 1911, the French pilot Ferdinand Ferbert gave an interview for an aviation journal in which it became clear that it had never occurred to the journalist that one aircraft might actually fight another in the air. Why not? asked Ferbert. If such a combat could take place between a falcon and a raven— Why might it not between two armed airmen? The fact is that practically as soon as the Wright's flyer left the ground in 1903, there was speculation about the new technology's military potential, something that has no doubt always been true of any new technology. Many who had foreseen the possibilities were not military men at all, In his writings and public speeches, the libertine Italian poet and futurist Gabriele D'Annunzio had been a noisy enthusiast for the glories of mechanized warfare since at least the turn of the century. He first went up in an aircraft in the summer of 1909 from an airfield in Rome where Wilbur Wright was teaching Italians how to fly. This aerial baptism turned D'Annunzio into an ardent devotee of flying and its military possibilities, and he was certainly not alone in this reaction. It was all of a piece with the fashion of the day for power and speed, as already epitomized by the car and the train, and celebrated earlier that same year by Marinetti's Futurist Manifesto. H. E. Wells's The War in the Air, 1908, has already been alluded to for its novelistic vision of a London raised to the ground by an aerial attack. Ironically, Wells was writing his book even as the new Hague Convention was being promulgated. Article 25 stated, The attack or bombardment by whatever means of towns, villages, dwellings or buildings which are undefended is prohibited. This particular article was itself destined to become one of the war's earliest casualties. 
Wells was by no means alone in his anxieties. Many of his contemporaries were also rendered thoughtful by the military possibilities those spruce and fabric early aircraft offered. As soon as Blériot had made his epic flight across the Channel in July 1909, the British journalist Harold F. Wyatt wrote an article, Wings of War, in which he wondered how many of the crowds assembled on the cliffs of Dover to welcome the Frenchmen realised they were assisting at the first stage of the funeral of the sea power of England. In this new air age, Englishmen would be doomed helplessly to gaze into the skies, while fleets which they are powerless to reach pass over their heads, a prediction...